It's Unleashed Various Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. Episode 31 for October 26th, 2022. The Warriors lose 134-105. It's like a movie, fun to watch, but it doesn't mean anything. The Rams and 49ers rivalry becomes much more fun. NFL regrets why the Giants shouldn't spend all their money on Aaron Judge and one for the road. Kevin Harlan jinxes Steph Curry, and I've never seen anything like it. Let's go. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. Episode 31, Unleashed, various sports talk with me, John Lund, on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making us your first stop every day. Know that you can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify, etc., etc. Interact with the show any old time, at John Lund Radio on Twitter, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. Love to hear from you. Any old time, like I said. Uh, my day job, KNBR Radio in San Francisco, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. KNBR 680, KNBR.com, and the voice of the 49ers, Greg Popham. I think that's it. Oh, by the way, YouTube channel. I keep talking about the YouTube channel. And to take you behind the scenes a little bit, and to be completely honest with you, I've got a shed going up. And uh, as soon as we get the shed, then we'll have everything. Got all the equipment, everything's ready to go. The guys just need me to green light the whole thing. So we'll get the YouTube channel up pretty soon as well. So keep with me, at John Lund Radio. And uh, we will tell you when the YouTube channel is available so you can see my ugly mug. Uh, That is it. We always do the big lead. We'll do that momentarily. And, of course, one for the road, a bunch of stories. Keep you up to date every single day on everything you need to know about Bay Area sports. So let's get it going with today's big lead. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Um, I'm just having a tough night. You know, I think everything plays plays into that. Um, it's frustration. You know, I, I've been there before. And, you know, it, they have eight or four rings, so you know they're gonna they're gonna use that in in all the trash talk, rightfully so, um, respectfully. Um, but that don't have nothing to do with competing. That's almost what you said. Trash off of the rings. It was specifically said they're your nicest five. They have four rings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, repeated over and over, and they do. That was uh, Devin Booker talking about the trash talk for Clay Thompson. And if you don't know Clay, and I'm sure you do if you're in the Bay Area, and I can tell you personally in interacting with him a number of times, Clay is the chillest guy that you could ever meet. I honestly, maybe other than Tom Tolbert, who does the afternoon show, and I used to work with Tommy all the time, uh, those are probably the most chill guys I, I know. So I don't think it was as simple as that. I don't know what had Clay so worked up for the fourth game of the season but it must have been something because Booker goes back and forth, and there's videos out there of Booker interacting with fans. So there must have been something there. Um, I don't believe in sending messages four games into a season. TNT was talking about that. I realize that the Suns won 64 games. I think, T- I think uh, media and fans and so forth are sleeping on the Suns. They're a good team. Uh, there was a discussion about Jay Crowder. He's a nice player, but they can they can make up for Jay Crowder. It's not like it's losing Chris Paul or Booker or, or one of their – one of their main guys. I, I I like Jay Crowder. He's fine. But there's a reason why he's bounced all over the league from Utah to Miami to, to Boston, all these different teams. He's a nice player. He's a glue guy. He's a guy that you'd like on your team. But I don't think he's going to change the fortunes of what the Suns are going to do. 
But I digress. I don't think that Clay was sending a message. I don't think the Suns were sending a message. This is a game in October, and the season really shouldn't even start till November. And so when we're in the playoffs in April, May, and June, and probably see this team late in the playoffs like we thought we were going to see last year until Dallas beat them in Game 7, this game is going to be long forgotten. And I understand TNT talking about it all night long, and I love Kevin Harlan. He's one of my favorite broadcasters and just general in general people. I've grown to really like Reggie Miller. Candace Parker's doing a nice job on this broadcast. They're selling it. They're selling the broadcast, as we talk about all the time on the podcast. There's so many different things vying for your attention that they've got to sell this as a big game, but the reality is it's not. The Warriors, and I've got to sell it to you as a big game, I guess, and by saying it's not, but here's my point in it. The reason why long season championships, 82 games in the NBA, 162 in baseball, and it's a long season, 17 games in the NFL, is because it's not how you start. The Warriors and Suns are not going to win championships in October and November unless there's a major injury. No single game is going to make that big of a difference unless there's an injury. That's it. If a team wins, if a team loses, it doesn't matter. The Warriors are 2-2. Two and two. It doesn't matter. They haven't figured out their rotations at all. We don't know what it's going to look like, and they're messing with those kind of things, so we don't know. We know who the starters are going to be, but we don't know what the rotation minutes are going to look like. I don't know how Jamichael Green fits, and, and uh, Dante DiVincenzo is out, and I like the way that James Wiseman has started. We'll get into that in a second. And Jonathan Kaminga kind of still looks out of control like he was as a rookie, but where do all these guys fit? How does it all evolve? Who gets hurt? When do they get hurt? When do you play these games? Who do you draw? Like, there's just so much to do, and so it, it – it's not that I minimize championships that, like, the Dodgers won in a 60-game season. Actually, I do. Or the Lakers won in the bubble. It's just a season is 82 games in the NBA. And there's a reason why. Because the Warriors know through championships, and this is when they talk about championship experience, this is what they mean. They know throughout a season when to hit the pedal, when it's not as big of a deal, when to rest guys, when to push guys. They, they just, they've been through it so many times, and that's what four rings means. So it gives the entire organization – confidence not just the players it gives the coaching staff and the owners and the GM and here's what we need to do and these are the buttons we need to push and this is when we need to push them the fourth game against the Suns is not it would you like to win the game sure I don't know what the deal was with Clay yeah the defense needs to get better giving up 134 points is ridiculous <laughs> it's just that's just the way it's ridiculous so in fact I have a number here for you the last three games they've given up 70 to Denver 71 to the Kings 72 to the Suns in the second halves of games. And in the first quarter of those same games, they gave up they gave up uh, 40, 36, and 37. So go and press your friends with that. The defense is horrible. I didn't have to give you those numbers because they gave up 134 points. Will they give up 134 points this year? Pretty confident in saying no. <laughs> All right? The defense will come around. It always does. Uh, as long as no one's injured. And I, I, I talk about early season games the same way I talk about spring training or – or NFL training camp, and everybody makes a big deal, and all these writers have stuff to do now, and they don't just write one story, and they've got to come up with something every single day, and we all fall into the trap early in the year, and then all the ESPN talking head shows have to make a big deal of things, and then we have to have quarter poll awards and half-year awards and that, 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 all these things. But the reason why the Warriors can stay calm, other than an injury, say it with me, is that they know how this process works over 82 games. It was a fun game to watch. But it was like a movie to me. I watched it. I was entertained. I went home. Then it doesn't have to be a sequel or a prequel or five more of these things like Hollywood likes to do. I can just watch a movie on its own. And that's what the Suns and Warriors was 
in game number four. It was entertainment. Nothing more, nothing less. Now, is it going to mean something in the playoffs if, if, if when this is April, May, and June? Yeah. Seeing the Suns in April, May, and June is going to be really interesting. And you think it's intense to you think it was intense tonight? You think it was intense on Tuesday night? It's going to be really intense in the playoffs. So, I, look, I'm not trying to undersell it because I, I want you to listen to the podcast. But uh, game four against the Suns, despite the fact that TNT was selling it pretty hard, doesn't mean a whole lot. Now, what does mean a lot to me is, please, someone, free James Wiseman. Uh, he has earned the minutes. Steve Kerr often says you don't just give a player minutes. Jonathan Kaminga hasn't earned the minutes. I'd love to see more of Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, if Jonathan Kaminga was on a lesser team, he'd be playing 25, 30 minutes, and he can get 20 points, eight boards, five assists, four assists, whatever, in his sleep. But he hasn't earned the minutes yet. Uh, James Wiseman, to me, has earned the minutes, and it's nothing against Kavon Looney, but as we're talking about getting this team to a championship level, Kavon Looney doesn't need to play. Not a whole lot, especially when you have DeAndre Ayton out there, and Ayton played 25 minutes, and you have Jock Lawndale, the uh, – former St. Mary's Gale, who has really evolved his game. I give him a ton of credit. He can shoot outside, inside, but he's six foot eleven. So put James Wiseman in the game. He played 18 minutes against the Suns. He came in averaging 17.7 minutes. He scored 12 points in those 18 minutes. And again, Aiton played 25. Landell played uh, 22. So you got two bigs right there that it's, it's not like the Joker who – if you put him in that game against Denver, which they did, he's just a different kind. He's on a completely different level. He might frustrate him. But he's most often compared to DeAndre Ayton, and he is a true seven-foot, down-low kind of a guy. Put him in the game. Let him learn. He's earned the extra minutes. I know what Kavon Looney can do, and so do you. He can defend him just fine. But let's see what he can do. When Ayton's in the game, Wiseman should have been in the game. Wiseman has earned extra minutes, and not just garbage minutes. Every, it, the and I'm not saying the Warriors can't develop players because they obviously can. Jordan Poole is a superstar waiting to happen. He's a star player who's going to evolve, I think, into a superstar player. They can develop players, despite the fact that some people have accused them not being able to of, uh, you know, uh, develop players under Steve Kerr in, in the current regime. They can. But what's happening with Jonathan Kaminga and, to a lesser extent now, James Wiseman, is they're always looking over the bench. Am I coming out now? Am I coming out now? Am I coming out now? I just want them to say to James Wiseman, you're not playing 40. Nobody plays 40 on this team. But as we're trying to decide what our second team looks like, what our team looks like, as we're trying to evolve this thing, depending on the game, hey, you're probably going to play 25 tonight, and then the next night you might play 20. But I want to see you against DeAndre Ayton. I want to get you time on the floor. There's no other way to learn but to play. He's watched plenty. He's practiced plenty. He's done mental reps plenty. He's earned these extra minutes. Please, Free James Wiseman. That's the only thing that I'm really into as far as this uh, Suns-Warriors game. And that is your big lead next. Well, yeah, we got a lot of respect for each other. Um, I got so much respect for Sean, and I got so much respect for their team. I mean, they're a good team that plays hard with a lot of really good players and a lot of good coaches. So, um, you know, I know they got the best of us, you know, especially out the gate our first years together. Um, and it was good to balance it out a little bit last year. Um, but I mean, every time we play them, it, it's, it is a challenge. I mean, I think they're extremely well coached. They have a lot of talent and, um, it's always fun going against people that you consider friends and stuff like that. Um, but it's always, I mean, we're in the same division. It was a big time rivalry before we got here. That's for sure. Um, it's always been, and whenever you know someone that's, there's always a little bit more to that, just like we have with a few people in this league. I was walking out to practice one day 
and they had ESPN on the bottom line. And I don't know what show it was, but it said, is Kyle Shanahan in Sean McVay's head? And one of our local reporters, Gary Klein, asked me that. Who I, I love Gary, but Gary's got a job to do. And so he said, is Kyle in my head? And he said, uh, no, you got respect for him as a coach. But I, I thought Kyle answered it beautifully, too. You know, we, we, our job is to help prepare our team to the best of their ability, make good decisions, and then, you know, let the guys go, uh, go do their thing on Sunday. Okay, first you heard from Kyle Shanahan, of course, and then you heard the annoying voice of Sean McVay. Just kidding. Uh, it is a uh, it is a rivalry. Now, it's never going to be, and it is Rams week, but it's never going to be Dodgers-Giants, in my estimation. It might not be Warriors-Lakers if LeBron and the Lakers could right the ship and get into the playoffs and play the Warriors in the playoffs. That might even be juicier. But the Rams and 49ers is getting juicy. First, the Rams stole Matthew Stafford from the 49ers, and I played that cup for you. He was on Jalen Ramsey's podcast last week, as was, as, uh, was uh, Matthew Stafford, and he said as much, that he thought he was going to the 49ers, ended up with the Rams. Then this week, or last week, uh, Christian McCaffrey ended up with the 49ers. A lot of people thought he was going to end up with the Rams. The 49ers put in an extra pick, and you could tell the frustration. And Sean McVay on yesterday's podcast, if you go back to episode 30, said, oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> that was his first reaction, and they beeped it out on the Rams, on Rams.com. But they, uh, his first reaction was that, OS, that they got Christian McCaffrey. We wanted Christian McCaffrey, and... So there's a bit of a rivalry happening, and the 49ers have won uh, a lot of the games lately, seven in a row in the regular season, but the Rams won when it counted. We're always going to have the proximity with the Rams and the 49ers. The Rams built a, a palace of a stadium after the 49ers built uh, Levi's Stadium here. They like to steal similar players. They have similar systems like the Seahawks and the 49ers did about 10 years ago during the Harbaugh-Pete Carroll uh, era. And you're always going to have the rivalry, as you just heard, between Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. And they like each other, kind of like brothers, and they were on the same staff in Washington, and you know all those stories. But they want to beat each other. And talking to Kyle for a number of years, and it's it's not a hatred thing. It's just kind of Sean McVay, and especially because he won a Super Bowl, so he's one up to Kyle, who's been there. Uh, the Rams have been to two. The 49ers won. And the 49ers got the NFC Championship game last year. So there's just a rivalry in, you know, who is kind of the the smartest among the young offensive coordinators and the tree of McVay and the tree of Shanahan. And both have famous fathers who uh, got into this league and they both got into it young. And so, anyway, it, there's a little rivalry between these two and it's kind of getting interesting. And, and Kyle said it's always been that way and it really hasn't been that way. You know, the Rams had a long run in the 70s in which they beat the 49ers. You move over to the 80s, the... 49ers dominated that one. It's kind of gone one way, then the other way, one way, then the other way. And even right now, as far as the regular season is concerned, the 49ers have dominated the Rams. So, as I said, it's not going to be Dodgers and Giants. There's too much history there. There's too much hatred there. Uh, there's too much uh, vitriol, although they haven't had a lot of playoff history except for last season, which is interesting to me. The Lakers and the Warriors have no playoff history against each other, really, to speak of. It's it's nothing major because the Lakers were so dominant with Magic and the boys. Sleepy Floyd is Superman, and there's, but there's just not a lot there. So the Rams and the 49ers have this budding rivalry that was kind of reserved for a, a number of years in the Harbaugh-Carroll era for the Seahawks and the 49ers, and we're, kinda, we're seeing that thing shift. We've seen it shift, and it's much more fun because it's L.A., it's proximity, and we love to beat L.A. So this thing is brewing, and it is Rams 49ers week next. Great points here, and I don't know, maybe this happens every season and I'm just not paying attention, but as you talk about regrets, Russell Wilson and the Broncos, uh, you mentioned in there, obviously 
giving Rodgers the money is not the issue, but at, at the expense of not having any weapons. You mentioned Kyler Murray and his extension in there. Tom Brady coming back in general. I mean, yeah. the dude's getting divorced off the field, and offensively they're a mess oh in the gosh. offensive line. And and then you talk Matt Ryan and J.C. Jackson just got hurt. I mean, I, I, it, does this happen every single year, or is this? This seems to me that at least with high-profile guys. This is a little bit different. I think it's a little different. For Well, first, we know this is different. Brady and Rodgers have never been under 500 this late in a season period together. You know, maybe even ever just individually, I believe. And then a Russell Wilson-type player isn't traded every year. So I think those things make it totally different. The, the other stuff like J.C. Jackson, those things do happen every year. A corner gets paid a lot of money. It doesn't work out. You know, if that was the top of the list, I wouldn't have written the column, right? You need all this other stuff. Uh, where it, the league almost feels upside down when, wait a minute, we can't count on the Brady and Rodgers teams being good, you know, and then the Russell Wilson not just struggling a little. It's not growing pains. Like, you're wondering, did they bench him and they're using the hamstring? You know, it's, it's, is, are they going to fire the coach next week? Those are all things we're talking about. This is extreme. Uh, that is Mike Sando, and uh, Mike's a good friend, and he works. he's up in Seattle, and he covered the Seahawks for many, many years, and he worked for ESPN. And now he is a, the lead NFL uh, columnist writer for The Athletic. And you really need to check it out. And I'm not stumping for The Athletic here. Uh, it, it, he alone, I think, is worth the subscription. He is that good. But, you know, Peter King writes a weekly column and Albert Breer writes a weekly column. But you really need to check out his pick six. And this week he had a great lead, which is NFL regrets. And he mentioned him there. Russell Wilson uh, with the Broncos we saw earlier this year. And he's now out. Uh, I don't know how long, but they still owe Seattle a one and a two after giving them a one and a two. And Seattle has had a great, and I know you hate the Seahawks, but they've had a great class of rookies. Kenneth Walker the third is probably the lead candidate for offensive rookie of the year. Uh, Tariq Woolen, maybe not the lead candidate for defensive rookie of the year, but he's running really good. They have two rookie tackles that have started every game and have been uh, pretty short of, I'm not going to say miraculous, but pretty darn good and getting better in Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. So they, they're in a pretty good spot and they're going to get Denver's pick and the worse Denver plays, the better that they, uh, the better situation that the Seahawks find themselves in. And that's not good for the 49ers, but Russell Wilson may have jump started this team and Geno Smith's having a better year and they're four and three and they're at the top of the division. So they love this and the Broncos might have buyer's remorse on that one. Uh, Tom Brady might be the, as great of a career as he's having. He basically chose football over his supermodel wife. And look, I don't know what's going on, but you got the kids and all these kind of things. And sh- and you're reading all these stories and say, she told him like when he retired, like, good, this is what's going to save the marriage. And then he went back and now they're three and four and they can't score. And he doesn't look good. And anytime he's forced out of the pocket, that's when he looks 45. They have offensive offensive line trouble. Uh, Aaron Rodgers got all the money that he wanted, but then they didn't have any money to buy receivers, so Devontae Adams leaves, and so now he has nobody around him, and the Packers are 3-4, and four, so they might have regret, not so much in keeping Rodgers, but not keeping Devontae Adams, or at least not going out and getting some veteran-wide receivers, kind of like what Kansas City did when they lost Tyreek Hill. Matt Ryan's already been benched in Indianapolis, and he doesn't look very good, so Indy's going to be out looking for another quarterback for, I think, a six consecutive years. And then we don't feel sorry for the Rams. Allen Robinson is why the Rams are out looking for weapons. For some reason, they let Robert Woods go, and the, and OBJ messed up his knee toward the ACL in the Super Bowl against the Bengals, so he's not ready, although they say they're keeping a locker ready for him. But Allen Robinson versus Cooper Cup has been, a, or on the opposite side of Cooper Cup, has been a complete bust. 
Cam Akers, uh, they're basically saying that the former second-round pick out of Florida State has no role on their team despite the fact that they don't have anybody outside of Daryl Henderson to run the football. They are, I'm not going to say devoid of offensive talent, but certainly not on the level that they've been in the past, and Allen Robinson's a big reason why. And then this is the part that scares you, as Mike Sando points out in the Pick 6 piece. Everything looks good on paper with Christian McCaffrey, but as he says, hopefully the 49ers don't end up on that list and bust out on Christian McCaffrey because the big moves that teams have made in the during the season, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady coming back, Aaron Rodgers getting all that money and not leaving any for receivers, uh, Matt Ryan, Allen Robinson, and there's more. But this is a season in which so many high-profile moves have gone wrong. It's a great piece that Mike writes, and you just hope that the 49ers don't end up on le- that list with Christian McCaffrey. I don't think they will. I told you in previous podcasts that even if it doesn't work out with Christian McCaffrey, I'm okay because I believe in the premise of it. They need this offensive weapon. I realize they might need depth along the defensive line or a corner, and they don't really have any assets to go out and get those kind of players because they are in a championship window. But because they are, they went and they swung for the fences with Christian McCaffrey and as well, and not on the same level, but certainly it played a part as we just talked about the rivalry with the Rams and the 49ers, they didn't want Christian McCaffrey going to the Rams, so they gave up all that draft capital. It will be judged upon whether he can stay healthy and whether they can win a Super Bowl. But as I said before, the premise of getting Christian McCaffrey, the thought process was sound, and I will always back the trade no matter what happens. But I do hope it doesn't end up on the regret list next. Michael Kay and the Yankees TV network, and that is Aaron Judge is 62, and you know all about it. But there's a story out today that says that the Giants will pay whatever it takes to get Aaron Judge in the orange and black. And if you've been listening to the podcast with any regularity, and thank you very much, and you can down, thank you for listening, first of all, and please subscribe anywhere you get your favorite podcast. Plus, we will have the YouTube channel up in about 10 days, so make sure and interact anytime at John Lund Radio. You know all those things. Now, Aaron Judge, if you listen to the podcast with any regularity, uh, I have been a big proponent. He is from Northern California. Uh, They need a turnstile turner. In other words, they need a star player on this team. But here's what I would say. When I hear things like this, that they'll pay anything for Aaron Judge, that they won't be outbid for Aaron Judge, The first thing that comes to mind is, and I'm consistent in this thought as well, that Farhan Zaidi, and he doesn't control the purse strings, but this current version of the Giants with Farhan Zaidi leading the baseball operations have always told us, darn it, we tried for Bryce Harper, sorry. Darn it, we tried for Giancarlo Stanton, sorry. They've never come home with it. You don't get any credit for trying. Sorry, honey, I was going to buy you flowers, but the line was too long. It doesn't work that way. You don't get credit for it. Sorry, honey, I was going to buy you dinner, but we didn't get there in time. What, it, it, none of those things, it, it, that doesn't help. I tried. Nah, sorry. It's a bottom-line business when you become an adult with kids or uh, other things. Hey, I tried. Good job, honey. Here's a participation trophy. You don't participate in the offseason and get a trophy. You either get the players or you don't get the players. You either spend the money or you don't spend the money. And the Giants so far have not shown the ability to give anybody a lot of money. 
Anthony DiSclefani, three years, $36 million. That's the biggest contract they've given out. $36 million is per year on Aaron Judge, and it's going to probably be over 10 years, and that might not even be enough. So first and foremost, the angle I'm coming from is I'm skeptical of that report unless I hear it from someone who controls the purse strings from the Giants, and this is an anonymous report, so I don't know who this person spoke with. But let's just go along the premise that the Giants won't get outbid for Aaron Judge. The problem with that is, from a guy who wants Aaron Judge in the orange and black and wants to bring Aaron Judge home and wants to watch Aaron Judge, is that that's not going to be enough. If you look at the Dodgers, who won 111 games, it's not just Mookie Betts. It's Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Max Muncy and Clayton Kershaw and go on down the line. Now, maybe Walker Bueller comes back. Maybe he doesn't. But they have a line of guys 10 or 12 long ready to beat you. Uh, you look at the Atlanta Braves. They're all tied up. All those uh, good players for the Atlanta Braves, they're all signed for a long time. If you look at the two teams in the World Series, the Phillies and the Astros, and you look at their lineup, it's not just one guy. They've got superstars on the team, but it's not just one guy that is going to beat you. The Phillies have JT Remuto and Bryce Harper and Nick Castellanos and Zach Wheeler, and the Astros have Altuve and, and, and Bergman and Verlander, and Alvarez, and Tucker. I mean, you go down the line. It's not just one player. I like Aaron Judge, but baseball's not a one-player sport. Mike Trout has been to the playoffs once with the Angels. That's what Aaron Judge would be with the, with the Giants. Right now, as currently constructed, he would be Mike Trout. That's not how baseball works. If you bring LeBron to a team in the NBA, you will be a playoff contender. It works like that. If you get a superstar quarterback to come to your pretty good team, you're going to the playoffs. It works like that. But in baseball, one player is nice, a superstar pitcher. The Angels have Otani, a superstar, and MVP, and Trout, a superstar, and MVP, and still don't win. So really, even if you have two players, it doesn't work. I don't want Aaron Judge to be Mike Trout. I don't want Aaron Judge to be Otani. I don't want him to be the only guy on the team. So that's great when you hear that the Giants will spend the money. As I said, A, I'm skeptical, and B, that's not enough. Look at your own division with the Dodgers and the Padres, both stacked with stars, and the Braves stacked with stars, and the Phillies in the World Series stacked with stars, and the Astros stacked with stars, and the Yankees will go out and get more. That's what teams do. They're deep. They have, they have star pitchers. They have star hitters. They have depth. They have uh, players coming up within the organization. The St. Louis Cardinals constantly are, are shuffling through. Who's that guy? They got another star and another star and another star. The Giants, because their players haven't yet come through the system, either through ineffectiveness or they're just not ready to play yet, are not at that level. So what do they have to do? They have to buy their way out of this issue, out of the issues that they have of not having every day in regular players, which is something we've talked about on the podcast a lot. They need players in the prime of their career who are stars. They have older players. They have players in the minors who we think are going to be really good, and the system has been rebuilt, but they don't have that 25- to 30-year-old player who is in the prime of his career, and that's what Aaron Judge is. But it's not just Aaron Judge. It's Aaron Judge and Brandon Nimmo of the Mets, or it's Jacob deGrom of the Mets, or it's Justin Verlander of the Astros, or it's Trey Turner of the Dodgers. It's got to be... Judge and two more. It's got to be Judge, Correa, 
and Brandon Nimmo. It's got to be Judge, Correa, and Verlander, or however you want to do it. Because the Giants, because Carlos Rodon is going to opt out, they need either a 1A or a 1B starting pitcher. That's $30 million a year. Aaron Judge is probably going to command $40 million a year. You've got a couple of different ways you can go. You can go Judge at $40 million, but Correa is going to be 25 DeGrom is going to be 30 Nimmo is going to be 15 Turner's going to be 25 or 30 So what do you do? Do you just go get Judge? Or do you say, we can get, I don't know, for that, Verlander, Nimmo, and, I don't know, Turner. Maybe you can't get all of that. But my point is, is that I like Aaron Judge. I want Aaron Judge on this team. I think it makes a ton of sense to get Aaron Judge. He's from here. He's from Northern California. It makes a ton of sense. But from a payroll perspective, think about it like this. The Giants payroll was at $168 million last year. Radon's going to opt out. Some of the players aren't going to come back. And so their payroll committed to 2023 is about $110 million at this point. You're going to have guys go through arbitration, et cetera, et cetera. Let's just say, because as recently as 2018, they were $208 million, which was second in baseball. Let's just say that he gets the okay. By the way, to put that in perspective, last year the Mets were at $282 million, Dodgers at $275, Yankees at $264. If you don't think money matters... The average payroll of the final four in Major League Baseball, San Diego, Philly, New York Yankees, and Houston, was $237 million. And the average rank for those teams was five. Yankees, three. Padres, four. Phillies, five. Astros, nine. As far as payroll in Major League Baseball was concerned, the Giants were 13th. So money does matter, and how much you spend does matter. you got to spend it smartly. There's a lot of teams in this league that aren't doing well in spending money. And that's why people are angry at the Yankees and everything else. That's a whole different story. But the Giants should have, let's say they get up to $200 million, which would represent a $33 million increase year over year, which I don't think they would go that high. Let's just say they'd go up to $200 million. So they'd have about 50 to $60 million to spend in this offseason. Judge takes 40 of it. All right, you still need a, center field, a defensive center fielder because I think Judge would play right. You still need an infielder. I, I really don't want to have Longoria back at $13 million, but I guess you'd have to. Uh, you need a first baseman. I don't trust Brandon Belt's health. Uh, you might need a catcher. Do you trust Joey Bart? Oh, I just told you, you need a number one starter. So this team needs a lot. Aaron Judge would be Mike Trout. You need more than Aaron Judge. It's time for One for the Road. Jeff Curry is at the line. He has not missed this year. Kevin. Uh, why? I'm Kevin, so, Why? Is so, why? He was 22. That is you, Kevin. Uh, I am so sorry. He was 22 of 22. <laughs> I'm not a dealer in superstition. Yep. Look, look, at no, look at Steph. Look at Steph. Look at Steph. Now called on Clay Thompson. How did Stephen Curry hear you over here? It Kevin was Holland. down, look, and then it, it came sure out. Was. He looked over. He knew. He knew what we were saying. <laughs> 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 I, I feel so bad. <laughs> that was uh, the TNT broadcast. Kevin Harlan, my good friend, and uh, Candace Parker, Reggie Miller. And you got to see the video. And when we get the YouTube channel up in, in about uh, 10 days, we'll play these kind of videos for you. But 
Uh, Steph Curry, he was, as you heard Harlan say, right when he shot the free throw, Steph Curry had been 22 for 22, hadn't missed one. And he misses. And I, 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 I've been covering the NBA for 20 years. And I've been in some quiet arenas. I've been in some bad arenas. I've been in a lot of loud arenas as well. But I have never seen the free throw shooter acknowledge or even be able to hear the broadcasters. And I know where they sit in that particular arena in Phoenix. And Steph Curry immediately turned around and started pointing at Kevin Harlan. And then, of course, Reggie Miller and Candace Parker start pointing at Kevin Harlan like he jinxed the thing. It was absolutely hilarious. But I've never seen a player acknowledge it in covering the league over 20 years. And by the way, Harlan's the best. Uh, he's number one to me. He's a good friend of Greg Papa. We have him on our KMBR show all the time. And he's just an awesome guy. He was telling us a story the other day about him traveling. And look, he's not asking you to feel sorry for him. And he's certainly not digging ditches, but he was talking about travel. And as he said, he wasn't looking for sympathy, but he was telling us he's a grandfather now. And so he, he likes to be home as much as he can. But now, you know, he calls games for uh, CBS NFL. He's tremendous at it. Monday night on Westwood One Radio, he calls the Monday night game. And then a couple times a week, he calls TNT games. So he's traveling all over the place. And I always remind him of this story. We, uh, Greg and I were doing our show in New Orleans, Super Bowl 47, when the 49ers played the Ravens. And Harlan comes in, and he always will do our show. And he had done a Warriors game in the West Coast the previous night, and it was the Friday before the Super Bowl, so it's a madhouse on Radio Row. None of the guys want to do it. Kevin's doing the the game for Westwood Run Radio, and it was the only show that he would do. And then, you know, he'd do shows, but he would do it to promote the Super Bowl, but he'd do it for his hotel room. And he was just punch drunk. He hadn't hardly slept. He doesn't sleep real well on red eyes. I mean, it's just, it just illustrated to me, like, these guys, man. I mean, look, they get paid a lot of money, and they're not looking for sympathy, as I said, but they, I mean, their their travel schedule is unbelievable, which has nothing to do with Steph Curry and Harlan jinxing them. But, anyway, I just wanted to tell you about Kevin Harlan. But, you know, and I don't know, you know, we always seem to think that that, that always happens. I don't know. Does anybody have an analytic that when a, broadcaster does something like that and said, this guy's done this many in a row and then he misses it. It seems to happen to free throw shooters, shooters all the time. I have no idea uh, what the percentage is, but certainly I have never seen anybody acknowledge it like Steph Curry did right there. And there is one for the road. And that is Unleashed Various Sports Talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. Episode 31 for Wednesday, October 26, 2021. Thank you for making us the first stop for Barry Sports every single weekday. And the podcast is available wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen, subscribe. The YouTube channel is coming soon, as I told you. Interact any old time with me at John Lund Radio. What you like, what you don't. My day job, KNBR Radio in San Francisco, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. of the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. We'll be down with the 49ers on Wednesday, so uh, give us a listen. And that is Unleashed Barry Sports Talk for Wednesday, October 26, 2022 on the Locked On Podcast Network. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.